welcome one and all to Discovery, a Star Trek podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial Star Trek Discovery podcast. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Welcome to the future, Pete A. from the Mirror Universe. I was just reading about you. Discovery, a Star Trek podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 309, Terra Firma, part one, comes to you now via hideous death's alarm clock pete those listening on the pop culture podcast feed know that we did a big digestive dive on disney investor day talking about the mandalorian wandavision star wars movies uh basically everything out there that we like to talk about with the exception of star trek we talked about in some capacity including pete your highest anticipated thing coming out of disney in the next couple of years i'm talking about the beauty and the beast prequel starring gaston <laughs> and uh lefou yeah we we may have mentioned that uh so you could check that out over on the pop culture podcast feed you can check that out on the mandalorian uh podcast by fantastic geek feed you could check that out on our wandavision podcast by fantastic geek feed uh, if you want to add that in addition to Discovery that you're checking out. But Matt, we have Discovery news and Star Trek news in general. Yes, this Discovery news. Uh, Pete, I'm going to uh, I'm going to set spoilers to a, a light yellow alert. I don't mm-hmm. think that this... I wasn't concerned about the future of this character, but for anybody who is absolutely a spoiler purist, jump ahead maybe 15 seconds. But news that the uh, unnamed but but softly accepted named uh, Kovic, uh, the David Cronenberg character, will be back for season four. That welcome news overrides my desire to to you know wonder well could he die at any moment? I'm happy to know that Kovic is back next season. It's been an unusual season to speculate, and given that they're back and filming while we're podcasting the show, it's the first time that that's happened. Um, you know, in the run of the show is interesting. Uh, shifting forward, we had the showrunner of Lower Decks, uh, Mike McMahon, uh, re up at CBS this week, two year deal. Uh, good deal for him and, and wise to lock him up as, as Matt pointed out uh, off mic. So what he starts now, he gets out by the time he finishes the deal. Yeah. And I mean, no further evidence uh, for that than uh, lower deck season one and season two were while not made concurrently, it's been constant production from the first season to the second season. Uh, and obviously the second season is going to come out, you know, one year after the first, uh, and obviously several years, multiple years after production first started, that kind of thing. So a two-year animation deal is not that far ahead in the future. I will mention in passing, though, Pete, to see his uh, animated show on Hulu, Solar Opposites, to get a little bit of sizzle at the Disney um, investor presentation. A reminder that Mike McMahon is uh, well-regarded in the world of uh, adult-skewing animation, and you know, we like to wag our finger at uh, CBS All Access sometimes, but this is a good pickup for him uh, staying with the the CBS mothership. Yeah, and given that Lower Decks production on season two is humming along, likely 
uh, landing spot for that sometime in the spring. And, you know, as we were chewing over all the Disney Investor Day information and our dance card for 2021 begins to heat up, WandaVision in January, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier in the next billing cycle in March, Loki in the next billing cycle in May, Black Widow. There, there had been no Star Trek there still remains no Star Trek firmly in our schedule just yet. We fully expect, though, it'll be in the spring. They're really, really moving along on that project. Yeah, I mean, the desire for a certain rollout may be one thing, but here's the reality. Lower Decks Season 2 production has been continuing at the same pace as Season 1, which is you know perhaps a bit slower because it's being done at home, but... It, it has still continued. It has been an active production since they finished season one. Uh, Discovery season four, it's what? Maybe we're a month into filming at this point. So uh, not not even. Uh, well, about a month, give or take. So they might have a couple of episodes um, shot, you know, certainly not edited, special effects, music, etc. The Picard series season two has yet to start to film. And Strange New Worlds will start to film in February. So probably we're looking at Lower Decks at some point, as you say, in the spring. Uh, I would suspect that that would then line up Discovery at some point in the fall. Uh, then, Pete, here's where you and I, I think, disagree on, on prognostications. I'm thinking Strange New Worlds and Picard, but uh, you think perhaps the other way. No, I'm I'm fully on board with you. That's uh, Strange New Worlds is casting, ramping up. Uh, I think they will get before a camera before Picard does. And you've got some precious cargo with Picard and COVID. And though, you know, uh, here in the United States, we've now got the first vaccine approved and shots are going to go in arms like almost immediately, still not enough and not there just yet. So I, I think we're looking lower decks Season four of Discovery, Strange New Worlds, Picard, you will have had like two, maybe two and a half years un until between your Picard seasons as a limited series. I, I think that works. And who knows how far they even, you know, could season two be it. Well, with that, Pete, let's head into the mission briefing. Atomic Scan reconstructs Giorgio as the now named, in the subtitles, Matt, Kovic, played by David Cronenberg, speaks to Dr. Culber in sickbay. He might have come, Culber, to Kovic sooner. Uh, let me guess, she's presenting with physiological symptoms. However, the cure won't be found in this room or even in this galaxy. And Kovic opens classified file beta 4895 Omega. This a hologram of Lieutenant Commander Yor, deceased time soldier. And thank goodness, Matt, he had been fixed from preview footage and the trailer with the wrong com badge, which broke some really sensitive people online. So I agree, Pete, that it was a tempest in a teapot in terms of he's got the wrong badge since he has the early TNG uniform. Here's the thing, though. Let's stick, uh, stick a pin in that for 10 seconds. We are told by Kovic 
Pete, we are told that time travel upsets the molecules. For Lieutenant Commander Yor, not only was there time travel, but also dimensional travel. Um, Yor uh, was in the same boat. He's from 2379. And there was this whole dimensional thing with a Romulan mining ship. So first of all, Pete, hashtag J.J. Abrams. Second of all, here's my point to bring it back to the combat. Maybe it wasn't originally a mistake. Maybe their own little little tweak, and I don't mean that in a, in a malicious sense. Maybe their thought was in the JJ verse, in the Kelvin verse. Maybe they get the more advanced badges sooner. Maybe that was the whole thought process. Also, it helps that you know Star Trek has a Star Trek Inc. lately has those uh, later style badges. But ultimately, Pete, they went back and did a. You need to look at the CG job to know that it's a CG job to replace it. I think if you if you don't go looking for it, then it's a perfectly fine fix. Can we not just be happy with, oh my God, they reached into a 1987 uniform design and did that here in an effort to help tell story. Um, this is why some, quote, fans maybe need to take a, arrest um it is hammered home that your is the only individual to have traveled across time and dimension until philippa uh, pete as memory alpha gamely points out we are going to ignore you know that romulan mining ship as well as spock that also did the same thing although i guess to be fair kovich and company wouldn't know about that so is there a little incongruity with hey when you do both time travel and dimensional travel it's a ticking time bomb. Yeah, fine. It, it is what it is. Ultimately, though, Pete, if you weren't clear on this, every molecule is fighting to go back to its time and its dimension. And for Joe, for George O, the space between the two dimensions is growing, and we get the name check of both Prime Universe and Mirror Universe, which, among other things, Pete, just helped me understand the story. So thank you, story. And the the damage is a breeze compared to what Giorgio is about to experience here. Okay. But wait, wait, Dr. Culber, you can't tell her because a Terran's every instinct is to die in battle. Uh, the best thing to do sedate her, put her in the brig, but wait, I can ask the computer, you know, the one that you may know about Kovich, but that immediately says that there is a solution. Let's present it to uh, the people who need to see it. But take us to the mess hall, Matt. Pete, in the mess hall, Giorgio's phasing is preventing her from getting wine. Uh, Tilly offers some help, you know, as number one going over there to help support her. What does Tilly get uh, in return? She gets Giorgio smacking soup on Tilly's uniform. I have to say, Pete, my initial reaction was, wait, these are super, super expensive uniforms. I, and I know you have <laughs> access to world-class, you know, dry cleaning and, and costume people and whatnot. But, oh, no, that's pea soup on a very expensive uh, custom fit uniform there. Um but Giorgio says of herself that she should be put down like a dog. I love the scene. I love that Tilly's trying to be discreet. Hey, we can help you in private. And instead, Giorgio, to her characterization here, gruff, mean, which plays in reverse so well in a couple scenes. 
In Saru's ready room there, Kolber explains the computer told them that a cure can be found on Danis 5. And Kovic says that the ship's computer merging with Ascension Intelligence might be great for movie night, but that doesn't mean they should trust it. Kolber uh, wonders if uh, it's just trying to protect the crew like it did before, trying to help them. And Burnham points out that they've also merged all current Federation databases with it. So it has every shred of knowledge it should have from all these different points. Uh, Vance asks about the odds. Culber says that there's a 5% chance that uh, Giorgio survives if they take her there. There is a 0% chance if they don't. So despite never seeing eye to eye, uh, Saru is sympathetic to Giorgio's plight, but Emerald Chain stuff, Matt? Yes, there is Emerald Chain stuff out of there. Therefore, Saru says the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the one and all that. So sorry, uh, sorry, Giorgio, you're just gonna have to get left by the wayside here. Um, Vance, however, is going to think things over indeed after the, uh, the the more junior officers are excused. Side note, Pete, I understand the Kovic is, you know, a Federation team player, a star a Starfleet team player. I would have liked a little bit more of the just a, a small acting moment when, when he gets dismissed along with the other two. If he just kind of stayed for a split second with like a like an eyebrow raise or just something to be like, <laughs> whatever, I'm the smartest guy in the room, but you're my bosses. So um a, a minor thing pete um but vance now in private with saru um ha he's already noted that uh Danis five is out of the way and uh, uninhabited he's going to give the okay um ultimately this idea that 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 though Giorgio might be this drowning crew member metaphorically not saving the drowning crew member will result in the crew seeing Saru differently implied in a negative light and Saru seeing himself in a negative light as well. This old salt here giving him the advice. It's a, it's a necessary scene to communicate the, the greenness, the lack of inexperience uh, or the lack of experience so far for Saru as, as captain. I, I appreciated that. Yeah, your point about where is Kovic in the hierarchy uh, is, is one to take home as well. But I think they're really selling the mystery of the character at this point. And like we mentioned in pre-roll, probably with some other reasons in mind. Uh, with... So you're saying that people might not be taking COVID, I mean, Kovic seriously, that they might say COVID, I mean, Kovic is not going to wow. be a big deal. You know, maybe this is the great Oracle uh, thing that Alex Kurtzman was talking about as things came together. Oh, my goodness. We have a character that could be COVID, but we named him 18 months before anyone had ever heard of it. Who knows, Pete? In 19. Uh, maybe, maybe. Pete, is this proof that Alex Kurtzman is ruin everything, ruining everything, including our own reality? I'll let it's you be not. the judge. <laughs> <laughs> In the rec roomish area which i think is also the same set that they do when not not dialogue window matt but the the uh adira uh stamets um gray music room that's darkens also with window 
Pete, you're acting incredulous as though this is a reuse of a single set. Let's look at it from an in-universe perspective. How about Discovery was built modularly with multiple rooms of the same size that could be used for whatever purpose? I'm talking storage of uh, big containers that might go clong, clong, clong and fall on Worf one day and break his back. I'm talking same-sized room where you can put gym equipment in there, or you can put in a piano. So... Uh, Pete, let, let's keep the, the 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 reality of this fictional universe. L- l- let's let's stick with that. Maybe, maybe they just need a room where you can uh, punch a uh, a standing thing. It's not a speed bag, but it's essentially the the same thing. That you have a rack with your hatchet and multiple swords in case you know. Uh, the former first officer comes to talk to you about your impending death. Well, that, of course, is essentially the thrust of the scene. Giorgio recapping that there are minimal chances uh, at success. Therefore, the help is useless. She wants Michael to fight her. Why? Uh, to to kill the Emperor is an honor in the Mirror Universe. Uh, we get some seemingly meandering not meandering that's too far too critical we get some uh, seemingly random factoid which is going to be expertly used later in the episode that Giorgio had plucked mirror burnham off of a rubbish heap uh drastically changing her life now both have been reduced to this is essentially the implication um with the yelling over though burnham gives Giorgio the apple watch Giorgio death edition uh <laughs> green is good red is bad too much red, you're dead. Um, any thoughts, Pete, before we get ready for the jump? Just that Culber can uh, monitor this. Take us to Black Alert and maybe a backdoor pilot, Matt? Uh, time will tell. Uh, the credits include, of well, maybe not of course, we have yet to have book appear, but we get uh, David Ajala in there as well as special guest star Michelle Yeoh. Uh, in terms of the story, we have teleplay by Alan McElroy, story by Bojan Kim and Erica Lippold and Alan McElroy, and this episode directed by Omar Mata. The Discovery jumps to Danis 5 as Giorgio and Burnham gear up, and Saru and Tilly come to see them off. Uh, he hopes for the best for Giorgio and says he's learned as much from her as prime Giorgio. Of course, it was the other way around in her universe. The good guys were always the mirror. Uh, They shake hands. And then Giorgio tells Tilly that her crew may survive her yet. And Tilly admits that uh, Giorgio has been weirdly good for her. Uh, Giorgio offers a hand. Tilly's a hugger. And uh, Michelle Yeoh, who incidentally we talked about in the Disney Investor Day uh, podcast, only because it had not been on my radar, and I'm pretty sure I'm speaking for Matt as well, that she is starring in the Eternals movie due November of next year. Um, yeah, she's just everywhere. Uh, in that podcast, we pointed out that she's uh, in the next four Avatar movies as well, so... Definitely a hot commodity here. Pete, as Tilly hugs her goodbye, okay, woeful suspension of disbelief set in place. I buy that this is the ultimate goodbye that they, you know, that Giorgio is headed off to her death. Um, 
obviously with one foot back in the real world, I don't believe that. However, the possibilities that Giorgio might not return to this ship, uh, I think have now been, been raised and we'll dig into that in our theory segment. Let's head down to the snowy area just north of Toronto. Yes, they established that this is exactly the spot that the uh, sphere data wanted them to be, uh, despite the fact that it is snowy and bare. And again, Pete, it is said this is exactly where the sphere data wanted us to beam down to. Hey, let's start to walk over there to where the sphere data wants us to be. I understand the need for a walk and talk and something to end the scene. But I just want to point out that they both are where they were sent to and not quite there yet. That Pete, we cut to Adira, who's got the decoding algorithm from last week. The algorithm is uh, stuck. Stamets notes that it's actually on pause. Classic mistake. But goodness, uh, it has cost us lots of time. Almost as though, Pete, they did not want to talk about it last week. But this week is now the time to discuss (laughs) it further. Um, And Stamets tells them that it's okay. We all make mistakes. Yes. Adira, tired, angry with Gray, who has stopped communicating with them. Uh, They don't miss him. The last few weeks have been great. uh, And they are thankful that he left without a word. But Stamets says that maybe Gray is doing what he thinks is best that he wants Adira to make ties with the crew. So a little bit of advancement there. Also, ding, ding, the data's almost done. Uh, So an exit to the scene. Cut to Book and Saru having their own walk and talk. Uh, Book essentially saying, hey, Captain, thanks for all that help previously on Star Trek Discovery. Uh, Book wants to stick around on the ship, uh, and he's got in addition to his engineering and piloting skills, he's got some background intel that confirms uh, Saru's knowledge of the Emerald Chain starting to ramp up. So again, it's kind of this proof of, hey, I'm as good as I say. Uh, Saru gives him a partial brush brush off. You got to know your protocols first. Read the manual and wait for a moment. For me, Pete, this was kind of an unsatisfying bit. There's no junior officer training program. There's no field commission of incoming ensigns or something like that instead it's just kind of like and i don't want to be too critical of this scene and certainly i'm not critical of this episode but it's kind of like hey we didn't end this episode the end is not now my boy you stop walking i keep walking to end the scene yeah the the takeaway here when discovery came to the future they had to wait for the right moment to prove themselves that book will find that moment to show he belongs here. Down on Danis 5, they walk, and uh, Burnham assures Giorgio they will find a solution, but Giorgio, increasingly fixated with Mirror Burnham, and we see why in this episode, uh, says that uh, her Burnham would have found a solution already, Again, with the picked off the rubbish heap situation, all the other children came running and pleading, but Mira Burnham stayed on the heap, prepared to find her own solution. Um, But that's not this Burnham. So to be clear, Matt, 
they're different Burnhams. Oh, um, but they're trying to save someone in Giorgio who is already dead. They follow the directions. Let's use the tricorder some more. It's picking up a life sign, but not exactly a life sign right here. Oh, hey, older man in uh, period garb with the hat and the coat and the uh, the watch on a chain reading a newspaper uh, and, a, and a door. What's going on there? And uh, the star dispatch, Matt, the same star dispatch that uh, Spock and Kirk glimpsed through the Guardian of Forever that had a uh, page that never really took place, you know, like from the future of Edith Keeler meeting in 1936 with uh, FDR? Through a portal, Pete. And of course, we see the man here, so many of us recognizing actor Paul Gifoyle, uh, formerly Captain Jim Brass on CSI from 2000, uh, 2000 to 2014 and the series finale in 2015. Pete, it's the CBS uh, galaxy of stars here returning. Um, there, there's wordplay here. Uh, you know, uh, what do you call a cute portal? It's adorable. Um, and a little bit of, uh, you know, continued wordplay here. It's here so that Giorgio can go through it. The door doesn't lead. It follows. Ultimately, though, perhaps there's a cure through there. And just in case you thought this was going to be an extended uh, scene of mystery and wordplay, um, even with Burnham scanning, saying that the door is hardly even there, uh, but Giorgio phases hard twice in this scene, hammering home how things are getting worse, how she's in pain, etc. But it's all there in black and white, Matt. They should just read the paper tomorrow's news but by all means continue to waste time so we'll head back up to discovery to the ready room and the now decrypted message the one we couldn't see off screen before no 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 go get saru with a kelpian dr isa of the ksf kiev uh, I suspect, Matt, I didn't go through the credits, but I suspect this is the Serana actress. Uh, it, it, it definitely is. It's Hannah Spear back from, you know, Dr. Isa having previously played Saru's sister. Um, Pete, but she she's want... different because it's in a different time and she has radiation burns on her forehead. Yeah, I know as of this recording, uh, by the way, I'll mention that there is not an actor linked to uh, Lieutenant Yor. Um, I think just like with bringing back the actress who played a Kelpian who you already have a head mold for and who you already know is good to go with um, the whole makeup process and isn't going to freak out or things like that. Uh, I suspect, too, that uh, Yor is probably um, played by the actor who played uh, Cosmo Trait, the other male Beetlejuicean that we saw at the beginning of this season. Um, no harm in reusing people, no harm in reusing makeup and just calling them different. Pete, to our eyes, okay, we can't see the subtle differences that perhaps someone from within the Kelpian world uh, would see how how Dr. Isa and Serana are just completely different, obviously. Um, but she's asking for help, which, by the way, Pete, bit of irony in the previous scene on Carl's paper in the back. There was an ad for soup uh, with the uh, with the tagline "Let me help." 
uh, so some more um, sitting on the edge forever kind of uh, uh, things being evoked there. But ultimately, to this scene, Pete, the the distress signal, uh, Dr. Isa said that uh, our had been told that help was on the way, but has not arrived. Uh, we get the update that this message is 100 years old and before the burn. Um, I would propose, Pete, that some of this information might seem slightly weird and slightly out of left field or a reminder that it's very, very old. I think it's all set up for where we are headed in future episodes. The mission was to I, to investigate a dilithium nursery inside the nebula, and the ship is still broadcasting with the message on a loop. This is so weird, Pete. I can't wait for them to get into the system like they say they're going to do. Is that like in the next scene or two? <laughs> it's not. What's unusual and not clear in this scene, Stamets said that the, um, the broadcast is over 100 years old, but it was made after the crash, but before the burn. So apparently they crashed in the nebula. That was the only reference that was made to any type of crash. Uh, they did reach out and were told that Captain Robert Weems of the USS Hiroga Ganai was on the way, but that never happened. Again, the radiation burns on her head there. Um, and they don't have the end of the message, which Saru watches again after everybody is dismissed. So, all right, we thought there'd be some some Kelpians coming and, and some follow-up with Kaminar. We've got that. Uh, like you said, they got the prefix code that can get them into the sensors. Side note, we've done that Rathacon to, uh, to take down shields. Interesting that they're going to use it here for information, but if you can do it to a defensive measure, why can't you do it for uh, an informational system? That that all tracks. But uh, hopefully, Matt, next week will be Terra Firma Part Two, and not uh, That Hope Is You Part Two. <laughs> um, on the planet, Carl is continuing to answer in riddles. That's because they need to ask better questions. The door is the cure, and Giorgio ultimately is ready. There's some great slow-mo moments kind of highlighting things. I don't know if they kind of realize, you know, having her walk through a doorway might not be that interesting. So you add a little slow-mo, it adds the, the, the I don't know, adds weight to the moment. Um, the look on Carl's face, kind of curious. I wondered if it was going to move menacing, but instead it's just kind of, you know, curiosity on his part. And, uh, and she steps through, boom, then she's in the mirror universe and indeed the mirror times uh, as Captain Killy salutes the Emperor. What an honor it is to have her aboard. We see Owo in the background, which uh, Pete is, to my mind, an immediate, um, an immediate timeline update because, correct me if I'm wrong, Owo had died in yes. the chronologically later and episodically earlier mirror stuff. Yes, and uh, this now becomes an episode, episodes of It's a Wonderful Mirror Universe. <laughs> um, yes, uh, we see Giorgio ask for a status report. We, in the close-ups, can see that she's a little frazzled slash confused by, by what's going on. So status report, 
Killy says that there's been some discontent uh, around, and we see Giorgio trying to place when all of this is. Uh, oh, wait, we're getting ready for the Charon. Got it. This is also the day that Lorca plans the coup. Tilly, what have you heard? Uh, ultimately, it's this idea that Lorca thinks that, Pete, if you can imagine this, that the leader has gone too far, is acting <laughs> too much like a despot, power for the sake of power, and not holding up the laws of the land as as imperfect as those laws might be. It's sedition, Matt, and also stuff in this episode. Uh, but uh, Killy wished to inform her in private, but no, no, we can we can trust in front of the honor guard, which is kind of humorous the way they keep following just at a distance and the the sound effect of their leather outfits uh, through the hallway. I, I really did appreciate that and and how the mirror universe often leans into this this dark humor um of course uh killy and uh giorgio know that uh burnham is getting ready to betray her that uh she's sleeping with Lorca. um she's going to try to take the throne and her life that day so we head to the mess hall where the music is blaring. I was really, really hopeful we were going to get a mirror universe version of the uh, staying alive uh, from the, the wonderful, maybe the best episode of season one um, magic to make the sanest man go mad. Uh, but what we get here is still good. You know, we've got Bryce knifing a gourd off a, a crewman's head we have Mirror Arium, Matt, who is not a robot, uh, doing a agonizer hand wrestling thing with Stamets and Mirror Culber, because doctors wear blood red outfits in the Mirror Universe. It's great. Oh, hey, Matt, uh, they're not taking the ship down on the uh, estuary world of uh, Trask, but still, long live the Empire. Indeed. I mean, it's a super fun scene. It's, it's quickly cut how we see some of the, some of the lower ranking officers there. Uh, maybe the camera could have favored the return of Landry a little bit more, but I get that ultimately in the thrust of the story, she's, she's, you know, one of the Canadian regulars, same as the rest, I suppose. Uh, Giorgio gets her formal introduction with the dominus of this and the mother of that and so forth. Um, everyone does their whole salute then burnham sashays in pete it is amazing how sonique martin green can play such a different character we've had the happy first officer in the pilot and then kind of the you know these these difficult times version uh for the rest of season one and most of season two then we have the kind of liberated one year later burnham and then now of course this version and then the makeup on top of it the lipstick yeah, the eyeshadow it's not the... just the makeup <laughs> it's not oh just yeah the, no 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 the the blue uh lipstick for certain uh it's amazing the amount of complaining i see about was this only the michael burnham show um sinequa martin green is the star uh this iteration of current tv storytelling follows your stars in a week-to-week format um please understand that's how 
the industry works right now. I guess people are just remembering back to all of those checkoff focused episodes, you know, where, where, <laughs> where William Shatner was barely in the episode, you know, um, things haven't changed all that much, you know, 50, uh, 53 years ago. Yeah. Um, we have some dialogue here talking about how Burnham has been to the planet of the amazing artists, such sublime paintings and products from them. And, uh, Pete, mirror Burnham, and I think that maybe this could be the point where we just dispense with who's mirror and who's not, because by and large, the rest of the episode is in the mirror universe. So we'll just establish that all these people are the mirror versions. But mirror Burnham says that the art will remain value uh, valuable as Burnham has put out the eyes and taken the hands of these artists. Um, but what cares do you have, uh, she's asked, and certainly you can tell Mother about these cares. I liked the uh, reintroduction of Landry here with the clumsy Kelpian who's of course suffering his Vaharai and spills something on her boots mirror Saru here uh, getting introduced as they want the other Kelpian brought to the butcher fresh soup tomorrow. Uh, meanwhile, back to uh, George you're talking about hey how Lorca's moving against me oh yeah you know i slept with that dude before and i got bored uh and then saru brings burnham wine which she promptly slaps out of his hand uh but it's interesting how Giorgio is cast in this again it, it's essentially it's a wonderful life as the the sympathetic character uh the the version of this sadistic character that we've strangely come to love i mean matt who would have imagined when they first introduced her in a hologram don't you bow before your emperor that we would go on this journey with her that continues and also within this particular scene one can realize that why does burnham rage on saru it essentially is to change the subject from you know Lorca and his his plans and whatnot it's it's to to fundamentally reshape things here um Giorgio stops saru from being sent to the butcher as well uh, she's going to take him back she had given saru to uh to burnham now taking him back to retrain him in the next scene we have saru brushing Giorgio's hair uh, and she notes that he helped his friend in the time of Vaharai. He is impressed that she knows the term, uh, but ultimately, what does Slave Saru know of Burnham's portrayal? What are Michael and Lorca whispering in the dark that only slaves might hear? That, uh, of course, the betrayal is coming here uh, and that he's going to help her keep an ear out, all of that stuff. And, and this scene's about establishing their rapport uh, we know from the prime scene earlier, Saru and Giorgio, of course, with their differences, but got along, learned from one another. Uh, we've got the robe. It's the first time, Matt, we're seeing this resplendent crown, which is featured so well in the Cirque du Soleil scene that's coming in a couple minutes <laughs> with the, uh, the Charon's uh, core. Uh, the, the spore drive there to, to shoot through it. 
but we head out to the corridors where uh, Owo is being challenged by Reese, and uh, it's a knife fight. It is. They brought they brought knives to a knife fight, uh, ostensibly fighting over Owo's forthcoming position as security chief on the Caron. Um, although uh, Giorgio does wonder, obviously, with the subtext of Burnham is reese does reese want the position and the responsibilities or just the glory that comes with the ascension um ultimately owo wins the fight why because giorgio says that owo fights for loyalty not position um we get the over uh the, the overhead call that the dedication ceremony will be taking place shortly so burnham stops the fight we shall not be late for this the emperor shall not be late for this uh ceremony uh, and indeed, in the shuttle bay, it's showtime as Stamets gives a uh, a rhyming, coupleted oration while dancers interpret the history of Giorgio. Uh, we, by virtue of the camera, get to see Burnham looking on with mild disgust. Uh, and then the rear a curtain taken down. Welcome to your new palace home, the Charon. Yeah, it's a great stylistic way here you know how how can we do this uh curtain tapestry type of situation on a on a starship in the shuttle bay in the reveal it's really really effective the uh the the presentation portion over uh giorgio gets up onto the stage area addressing everyone stamets behind her she gives a rousing speech about the future there are extreme close-ups on Stamets and Burnham that show that he's part of the plot. Uh, it also helps that we get kind of like a mid-shot of him fiddling with his knife. Uh, he inches closer as she talks about enemies within. Then she turns and stabs him. I love that when she resumes her speech, she's completely unshaken. as though she's paused for a drink of water and not killed a man. She talks about disloyal individuals and she will not allow such things. So Burnham knows it, it's time again to distract. We're going to salute Giorgio. And then uh, we head out into the hallway, the corridor there, where she soon gets confronted by Killy and essentially captures uh, Burnham. We've got a uh taking her knives as Giorgio comes down the hallway here. And, uh, She's told if she confesses that her life will be spared, but she's showing her weakness, Giorgio is, uh, again with the stuff about the trash heap. But Lorca loves me for me, and she kneels prepared to take the sword and perhaps maintain her honor, her glory. Uh, and just a, a, a wild-eyed, cackling performance here out of Sonika Martin-Green as Burnham admits to the coup and betrayal. Giorgio draws her sword, uh, but only nicks Burnham. Death is the easy way. Giorgio has an unwritten future now. Let's make it count. We have an incoming threat analysis in an episode with all sorts of baddies about, uh, are we really going to start with the kindly elderly Kovic? Cronenberg is just 
crushing it in the, the limited a time, amount of time he's been on screen here. I want to know so much more about him. I'm, I'm thankful we have more coming. Uh, but I do not trust him. I feel like I am slowly trusting him more. Um, and maybe that's just because he, in a fairly... Um, this is this is a very very entertaining episode don't get me wrong but in, in an episode where kind of all the story pieces are working together to advance things most of what he's contributing here is i have this information information dump no you can't get further what i was proved wrong okay um let's not forget he's the guy who was espousing uh things in his first appearance you know things like genetic predisposition towards rage and things that to many a modern ear were sounding like some sort of, you know, quasi genetic background for race, you know, for, for races to act a certain way for races of humanity, that sort of thing. So I think baked into him is a suspicion. I'm just, maybe, maybe the wool's over my eyes, Pete, but I'm not, uh, I'm not feeling as suspicious about him. I mean, we've not trusted members of Starfleet or the Federation before, but now with Discovery's computer to add that to it because of this, the spore data, because of this sentience that it's gained, why it would bring them to Danis 5, not completely clear on this connection. And I mean, again, for story purposes, it needs to tell us right away, hey, it knows where a 5% chance at a cure lies. Yeah, it is curious um, that we get injected into the story by way of COVID, but we get the reminder that not only of the history of, of how the computer got to where it is now, but just the notion that maybe we don't we don't understand everything that it's giving, and maybe that that should lead to a a word of warning. So I think that that's that's notable that the story chose to remind us don't always trust the spore computer the sport data meets computer combo with carl and yeah the questions abound q maybe a guardian on the edge of forever or one of the guardians on the edge of forever um again keeping it in the cbs family not quite sure you know position as far as this is a canadian uh based actor etc etc uh but uniquely star trek matt in terms of well let's have a guy in the middle of the wilderness sitting in a chair reading a newspaper next to a door and with the amount of snow coming down i was like good job everybody you went out you got your exterior shots when they're walking through the snow earlier you're not going to have these three folks filming this lengthy scene in the snow no no pete they did so that's them's real canadian snows there um, but I think that they pa that they cast the right actor for this in that he's not bringing menace to it, but there's something that's not quite right. And I think that he's he's interpreted this scene properly in terms of being welcoming, maybe being a little stilted as a computer or computer type presentation in terms of, you know, you did not format your question correctly, therefore you do not get an answer you'll understand. <laughs> um again i'm calling that computer like i'm not i'm not um hanging on him being a computer just they're not talking the same the, the same language here and the actor is just great at being 
ready to help when you can help yourself with the right questions. The riddles, the the friendly yet not quite clear motivations. Yeah, it it all tracks, as does Mirror Burnham, Matt. Uh, the opportunity for Sinequa Martin-Green to play this character. Granted, it's not the Mirror Burnham. It's one in Giorgio's mind or what Carl's door is extrapolating putting together etc etc um we we never did get that burnham but now we've kind of gotten that burnham that that burnham was lost in a in a nebula at least that was the explanation um in the mirror universe and i mean it's great to see her here it's always fun to return to the mirror universe but if we're going to be doing some kind of time travel or, or, or aspects of that. If we're going to return to kind of the gleeful, you know, don't think about it too hard that the odds are against it being this identical always, but that's what mirror universe does. So don't question it uh, to add mirror Burnham to the mix. Pete, that's just, that's just adding to the strength of this episode, helping, helping add to the whole team effort. That is this, uh, this presentation kind of like the good people of patreon.com slash fantastic geek indeed pete though we don't have any mirror counterparts at least that we know of that are supporting us on patreon uh our thanks as always for those who keep us listener supported particularly this time of year as some of those annual bills come in whether it's the ability to podcast the disney investor day uh, goings on or all the Mandalorian or WandaVision or all the Marvel universe stuff that we do. The people of uh, patreon.com slash fantastic geek, keep the lights on and the opportunities going. Pete, let's set our long-range sensors towards some theories. First one that has occurred to me, um, there's big emphasis placed at the end of the episode. The timeline has changed, but Mirror Stamets lived um, in the later timeline, you know, the later version of the prior timeline, however you want to put it, uh, and here he's killed. So haven't we had now two divergences? Yeah, and Landry as well, right? Wasn't wasn't Mirror Landry killed as well? Uh, Mirror Landry was not killed. Okay. She was put in an agonizer after the coup was fa- after the failed coup. Okay, all right. So clearly, it is a. I don't think it's a different timeline. Like I said, I think it's this different imagination they're 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 pulling out of uh, Giorgio. I'm not quite sure what the end game is here other than continuing to the the second part. There'll be some kind of resolution. Surely it'll save her life, right? Like that's the whole point. Will it send her back in time? Uh, You know, how is the um, Michelle Yeoh Helms section 31 show to happen? Well, a couple of thoughts. First of all, I don't know that we need to treat the mirror timeline with the same sanctity as we would the prime timeline insofar as, yes, we've seen all these chronologically later uh, episodes in the first season where some people are alive, some people are dead, you know, uh, Burnham wasn't found out and so forth. 
uh, but or at least presumably not found out. That said, since we don't live in the mirror universe most of the time, I feel like if they want to do a big change, however it's going to be, if they want to do a big change, they don't need to then link up again with what we've seen from chronologically later, uh, unlike, say, much of Discovery Season 1 and 2, which has to exist in the larger timeline. Um, so I guess that's my long way of saying, yes, this could be all a dream, a la It's a Wonderful Life. It also could be actually happening for real. If so, we've seen Giorgio travel through time again. Pete, could there be one more time travel move for her? And I don't mean back to present day for discovery maybe our initial instinct all along could come true does she ultimately go back to the late 23rd century in the prime universe do we have that timeline for the section 31 show back on the table i just don't know and i really want to know so bring on next week already and then you add to it this mystery regarding carl uh the the clarity of this is obviously this you know a door a newspaper i mean it's tantalizing that they're reaching for city on the edge of forever um as a a reference you know the the soup kitchen let me help uh the the newspaper um so we to believe here that like with Edith keeler who kind of needed to be erased from history to let the car accident happen so that she did not meet with the president turn uh america on to the pacifist movement have them enter world war ii late uh by the time the nazis had developed the nuke and and things wouldn't work out did did that perhaps lead to the the creation of the the terran timeline Pete, that's certainly that's a big swing there that we might be headed towards uh, towards that divergence if one is needed. I don't know. And I have to admit, Pete, credit to uh, Brett Williams on Twitter. My initial thought process was the Carl was acting like a Q. And I think that's that certainly is one of the theories in play. Um, he instead proposing the Carl is a or the guardian of tomorrow. Um, which I think is is a theory that 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 has gained popularity elsewhere. Um, he was the first one to set me on that, and then I feel like a bunch of other clues, like the things from the newspaper, kind of come into place. The fact that the Guardian and the Carl both are are having people go through a portal, a door. Um, indeed, Carl using the word portal was a, a cute portal is adorable. Um, so I think that that's the best bet right now that this is uh or the guardian returned speaking of doors again i think it bears bringing up is this the backdoor pilot to the uh section 31 show i mean the story the story by credit for Boyan kim and erica lipholt i think should be that should be looked at very very closely as there is that possibility um that they are setting up that, that, that this is indeed set up for the Section 31 show. Um, that's part of the reason why I like the idea that... I like the idea that there could be time travel again, uh, if only because that could then mean that the Section 31 show could include 
some of those late um 23rd century characters um like ash tyler potentially um it might not fully answer the question of but then she would still be in the wrong universe and the molecules want to go back but all kovich needs to say is if she did make it back to the 23rd century in our universe that yes that might just be enough for the molecules she'll be in the right timeline so the molecules will want to stay put it's only when you go really far from your timeline not so far that might be like 30 years before classic trek because then that helps also explain the jj stuff but you know pete all we need is one more kovich kiss on the forehead to explain everything his uh you know shadow looms large in this episode but he never shows up will we get Lorca? uh will we get jason isaacs back i was with all the Lorca mentions i was convinced that he was going to show up and I don't know, Pete, that that instinct is wrong, particularly since this is a two-parter. Um, further, furthermore, I, I guess I will allow myself to click on uh, on Memory Alpha just to look at. Uh, so next week, there is no director announced. It is um, the same story by credit and, and a different writer for the teleplay. My point being, Pete, I was wondering if maybe these two episodes were shot all together as one giant block that I guess the the... The question is still out there since we don't have a director credit, but the ability for this is the big razzmatazz thing. Hey, we are going to bring Jason, Jason Isaacs back for Terra Firma. Might he still show up in Terra Firma Part 2? I'm hoping for it because he was fantastic. The uh, Kovic line at the beginning of the episode that he's a man of widely varying interests, that he has this medical expertise only adds to the mystery of the character that and the disclosure of the stuff about the Romulan mining ship. This of course, Nero in the uh, 2009 Star Trek film. So there's knowledge of that ship going missing in the prime universe, going over to the Kelvin universe idiots online. Oh, they made the Kelvin universe. Canon um, was always Canon will always be Canon. Yeah, what's been nice for this season of Discovery is some of those some of those complainers either seem to be complaining less, or maybe we're listening to them less, or whatever it might be. But insofar as Star Trek '09 existed and there were elements of it, the Spock trying to save Romulus stuff that was meant to be the Prime Universe. Um, to me, it was more of a nod, you know, the Romulan mining ship. Um, the fact that we get your back, I mean, yours is essentially just there to say, here's how the ticking time bomb explodes. Oh, wait, Giorgio has more tick and more dynamite. Therefore, it's going to be a whole lot worse. If you then want to tie that into other situations like this, um, you know, then you get the fun uniform and all of that. Like to me, it's just. I mean, it's not kind of fun for the sake of fun, but it's like if you need to make some of these story decisions, why not add a coat of fun along the way as well? Add to that the temporal war stuff, the, the accords, they're ironclad. You can't break them, except, of course, when you're allowed to break them. It certainly is a small reminder that they can be broken. It's just against the rules. So it's not that they have forever, you know, closed the time wormhole or forever, you know, you know, whatever it might be. It's just that you you really, really, really shouldn't. And this is a law that people really, really respect. Um, 
I don't know, Pete. I'm, I'm still sticking with the Carl gives us a solution for Giorgio in terms of permanence and that spinoff. Um, I'm, I'm placing my faith in Carl more than Kovic. The discovery computer stuff remains a mystery as well. And knowing that at a point we have an AI on discovery, but not discovery a in the Calypso short track continues to loom out there as well. It does. And I think if nothing else, what you're seeing is the product of a show that, you know, I I think renewal for multiple seasons was never in question, but I think that they entered into this season, stable leadership, stable understanding of what the show is and is not in terms of, you know, is it, the stranger things of the year in terms of being being part of the cultural zeitgeist no it's not that big is it a netflix bomb that you need to sit and save face and somehow cancel and get rid of because it's not working no it's not that either whatever the right whatever the right mode is it's it's all working here so the ability to we have an overstuffed season here after this episode, you know, which we've, we've all watched. We're, we're towards the end of the podcast on, we have four more episodes. All of these things will not be addressed in the next four episodes. Um, and I think the, the return of Kovic in season four is a reminder. There's lots of things from this season that might be properly addressed next season. Near the gamma quadrant is Danis five here. So again, discovery, able to use a spore drive, get to places that the rest of the fleet can't or hasn't quite yet. It is in the complete other direction uh, with the trouble from the trouble with the Emerald chain doing their equivalent of training exercises, which are not really training exercises. And of course there's going to be trouble there with Vance and the rest of the fleet. Yeah. It's almost like the way that they, the way the Vance says, you know, we, we got it. You go do what you have to do. It's almost like Vance knows we can spend all of um, all of the next episode, uh, 310, by and large in the Mirror Universe and resolving that. Maybe do a B story where there's now further decoding or whatever it might be for for mystery of the, of the season in terms of the burn and uh, the Kelpian ship and all that, which would then leave us three episodes to say oh no the chain has advanced and now they have board cubes and romulan disruptor rays and it's going to be the biggest fight that there is and we can fight over that for two or three episodes until we get to the end of the season this kelpian mission at the dilithium nursery in the Verumen nebula so we figured out what the distress call was from are there still Kelpian survivors? Will this be something that tethers Captain Saru uh, back to the people of Kaminar, his homeworld? I don't know, Pete. They said so clearly in dialogue. Wow, it has been a hundred years, which is a long time for creatures like us. The fact that it's automated for 100 years, wowee! That's the only answer. We are going to go to a dead ship in 309 or 310 where we will not find anybody who looks like your sister, Captain, because there's there's people alive on the ship, Pete. With that, let's go to hailing frequencies. Hailing frequencies open, sir. Let's start as we so oftentimes do, Pete, with our Twitter poll. Uh, Pete, 
this was a fun episode. This was maybe not the best episode of Star Trek of all time. This was a super fun episode. There were no four threes, twos, and ones. Here were the choices, okay? From, uh, we'll go in ascending order. Um, what did you think of this week's discovery? Kneel before your emperor and vote correctly. 4.8% uh, said Regina Andor. 19% said Dominus of Kronos. 19% said Mother of the Fatherland. And 57.1% said Most Imperial Majesty. Um, some tweets here. Uh, James the Sagacious. Ooh, that's at Big Killing Pete. He's, he he's changed changed his handle to match what you've uh, said on the podcast, Matt. There you go. Um, he says as follows doorman is a q question mark kovich is ai right question mark disco has a t holodeck or a room with axes and swords sci-fi actors don't get enough credit they were all amazing as their mirror selves ah that saru had to be pushed by the admiral can't wait for your thoughts control alt delete in any century <laughs> so Love pete it. your thoughts there i mean i mean i guess you're leaning more towards carl as a a guardian of forever. How about Kovic as an AI? I don't think he's an AI. I, I think he's real. We've not seen anything. And that might be part of the shell game. Uh, you know, Oh, the reveal that, Oh wait, he is fake too, but doesn't wear a bow tie and have the strange, uh, you know, uh, timbre to his voice. Uh, I get it, but it, it seems like everything adds up that, that he's real. And I think there's more evidence that, that Carl is a, a guardian as opposed to a Q. We heard from JT Adkins. That's at JTA is me. Wow. Disco is back. Pete, I assume the emphasis is because there's been some episodes that haven't been that great, but bottom line, JT saying very well done. Love the entire goodbye and good luck scene with the hug poignant and character accurate is the mystery man by the door. A Q Nice to see several dead characters alive again, even if they are wicked Terrans. Next week, please. Uh, we also heard from Andre Yeager. That's at Dr. Polo 1983. I'm mad I have to wait until next week to see the, the conclusion. Love the Mirror Universe. Uh, and indeed, Pete, I think that Andre, I mean, Andre hammering home how fun the Mirror Universe can be. And again, I would contend it's because it's disposable. Like, you know, they don't need to be crazy yellers every week for an entire <laughs> season um and also what you do like oh no we've just destroyed earth in the mirror universe okay who cares like it's not it's a story convenience and all these things or how in the world could they possibly whatever because that's the way it is in the mirror universe it's, it's got weird logic to it it is uh, it's a lot of fun and you know it, it's just another thing that makes discovery star trek like all the other star trek before it uh as mentioned before we heard from brett desmo williams it's at bw desmo he said i didn't think i wanted another mirror universe uh episode i'm assuming he means but i was wrong mirror owo uh mean muggin is the best mirror michael is so much more intense than ours uh pretending uh, than ours pretending so we can martin green really dialed up the menace we gonna get to see Lorca. i don't know where this is going and that's fantastic uh and then also the the tweet as mentioned before pete where brett says so anyone else think carl is a guardian of tomorrow the paper he's reading uh, is the one from the tos episode with the guardian so some great thoughts there lastly pete not one not two five tweets here from spider ham lincoln <laughs> that's at tess lc 139 
I'd, uh, I'll take any excuse to visit the Mirror Universe, even if it is through a magic doorway guarded by an old-time American businessman reading a 32nd century newspaper on a planet suggested by an omniscient sentient computer. Well, when you put it like that, it does sound a little crazy, <laughs> I must admit. But I think, before I read more of more of his tweet here, I think that this is an episode that... Um, is so much fun to watch that maybe you don't notice that there's entire scenes that are like, let me give you an information dump about your or about this or about that. Uh, there's a whole lot. You know, this is the day when uh, the thing gets commissioned and I there's the attack against me. Like there's a lot of that just sharing of information, but it's it's gleeful fun. Anyhow, back back Sorry. to Spider Ham Lincoln here. Uh, I did not buy, however, acting First Officer Tilly hugging Philippa so soon after wearing her dinner, courtesy of A. George O. outburst in the mess hall. Tilly is certainly a unique character, but still, uh, moving on, the mirror hall hallucination, uh, pardon me, the mirror hallucination is a great way for George O. to find herself. I guess we have to wait for part two to find out how the magic doorway might repair her time and dimension displaced physical self. Assuming there still will be a Michelle Yeoh-led Section 31 show, I don't expect we'll lose George Yeoh, at least not permanently. Perhaps she'll become time-displaced again. Theory. David Cronenberg's Kovic is a Mirror Universe refugee, and his interest in George Yeoh may be more malevolent than we know. One need only look at how creepy, how many creeping, at, creepy acting credits he has to suspect that his Star Trek Discovery character is up to no good. So your thoughts, Pete, that Kovic is from the Mirror Universe? It's definitely crossed my mind. He's got such knowledge of it. Has he gotten a cure for uh, whatever it would take to cross universes? And, you know, he's the one who's repeatedly brought up that they're distancing themselves from one another. It's certainly within the realm of possibility. I want more Cronenberg in Star Trek and, uh, you know, keep him around, man. My only worry about the idea that Giorgio has time traveled um, from the 32nd century to the 23rd in the mirror universe and that she might time and dimensional travel back to the 23rd century in the prime universe. My only worry about all of that is I really want Cronenberg to be her boss. I want him to be the police chief saying, listen up here this week. You need to go do such and such for section 31. Now get out there. Um, I feel like that might, that might, that might not be the case, but. I guess, as with all things, Pete, time will tell. What communications do you have on your end? Brett Williams writes into the Fantastic Geek Facebook page. In the latest episode, Carl is the guardian of tomorrow, isn't he? The Star Gazette he's reading is the same paper of the Joan Collins death story. Got my eye on you, Carl. Can't believe I truly enjoyed a... MU mirror universe episode. Um, usually not my bag, but I am completely intrigued. MU Michael is so much more intense than our Michael, even pretending to be MU SMG Sonequa Martin green really ramped up the menace. With that Pete terra firma. Let's hear from Admiral Fred of the Netherlands. Hello, Matt and Pete, and all listeners to Fantastic Geek. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Star Trek Discovery Season 3, Episode 9. 
I like this episode better than last week's, but, well, last week's was last week's. I don't know if I really like this Terran surrounding. It's interesting, but it's also, of course, quite creepy. A lot of very nice, shiny armors, you could say. Visual effects are very nice, but that's actually always in Star Trek Discovery. The man with the bowler and the newspaper was a little bit too awkward for me. When it proves to be a kind of dream or something like that, then I can imagine it. But if it's really something, let's say, real, it's very strange. I don't like how Saru treats book, but on the other hand, it is in character, I think, for Saru. What I did like is how Georgiou, being in our world, our universe, according to her, you can't call it the prime universe, because she regards her universe, the Terran universe, as the prime universe, which I can understand, is that you notice that she has been, although she's always very tough, has been softened, especially if you see how she treats the servant Saru. So we always find her very tough and uh, unlikable, but for Terran standard, she is actually a softie. And I think now even more so, although in the original situation, Burnham, so Terran Burnham, wanted to assassinate her because she was already soft. So now she's extra soft. It's like the good tissues you use for your COVID sneeze. Okay, that's all for now. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. So Fred certainly approving of, uh, of this episode relative to last week. Overall, Pete, I think that's a it's a good sign that the show, I don't know at what point you say, hey, the script lacks a little sizzle or next week's is going to be better, that kind of thing. But you should be able to bounce back from, you know, a less than great episode and come back guns a blazing. Yeah. And the uh, the scene between uh, Giorgio and uh, Saru and Tilly saying goodbye here. And what Fred was stressing that you would see this. And again, Michelle Yeoh selling it almost like the character doesn't know what to do during a hug. Uh, really enjoyed that. And uh, really, really anticipating this uh, next part of the two-parter. Absolutely. And also Fred highlighting that that kindness of Giorgio, which which does track with what we've seen in terms of a cause for the the failed coup. Um, but you're right, Pete, all eyes towards next week and how that might set up the subsequent episodes from there. So how can people be in touch with you to share their excitement for Terra Firma Part 2? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R 11,717 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter is looking back lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on fantasticgeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek, all one word with the P and the H. Like it today. For those listening on the Pop Culture Podcast feed, we'll be back in the next couple days for the penultimate episode of Mandalorian Season 2. If you're here just for the Star Trek, see you next Saturday for Episode 310. With that, Pete, I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. Long live the Empire. Long live the Empire.